thankful that we can go boldly before the throne of grace. We can find grace to help in time of need. We can cry, Abba, Father. There's no one that sits closer than the Lord. I'm thankful he's always at work and always listens to us there. Good to be in the Lord's house there tonight. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles for a few minutes tonight as the Lord allows us to the book of Ruth in chapter number 4. The book of Ruth in chapter number 4. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. And if you would, when you found your place, if you would, stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God tonight. The book of Ruth, chapter number 4, and verse number 1. <clears throat> the Word says, Then went Boaz up to the gate and set him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise these, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was a manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, the man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrata, and be famous in Bethlehem. That's reading the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Let's pray. I'm most kind and gracious and dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we thank you once again for this opportunity that we have to be gathered back in your house here tonight. Father, we thank you for all the many blessings that you have given to us. Father, thank you most of all for salvation. Lord, that you did have a kinsman redeemer for us, dear Lord, that bought us from bondage, redeemed us when there was no one else that was worthy to do so. Father, I pray that you forgive us now for the times we have failed you. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Lord, take the reading of your word here tonight. Bless it and use it as you see fit. Lord, just take the reins of the service, hide me behind the cross, that all things have been done to glorify you. Please be with the many prayer requests and objects as well. And Father, we thank you for everything that you have done, what you would do, and what you promise you shall do. We love you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. You may be seated there tonight. Book of Ruth. Of course, if you've been at church for any length of time, I'm sure you've heard more than one message from the book. It's one of the shorter books of the Bible, but it is not short of content. There is much found here that is a representation of a picture and a type of what Christ is to us. 
And here in chapter number 4, starting here in verse number 1, we see where Boaz is picking up the business he had left off. In chapter number 3, where Ruth had already come to him and asked him to be the kinsman redeemer, to do the job of the redeemer as was according to the law that was given to the children of Israel. And he said, there is one that is nearer than I. He told her to, you know, go back to your mother-in-law. Don't leave empty-handed. You know, do what you've got to do. He said, but I'm going to go out and take care of this on the morrow. And at the end of the chapter, in Ruth chapter 3, rounds out by knowing what it's saying. He's not going to let the sun go down upon this day. He's not going to let the day pass until he takes care of that thing. So Boaz goes out, and he goes to the gate in the public place. And through these two verses here, we see the main focus of Boaz and one that remains unnamed. And Lord willing, there tonight, we'd like to talk about the named and the nameless. In the book, in chapter number 4 and verse 1, it says, Then went Boaz to the gate, and set up down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He called that one by there. I believe God, through his divine purpose, chose not to include the name of the other nearer redeemer that was going to be there. But he did choose to honor and recognize Boaz. The first thing we see here tonight in verse 1, we see that there was a public action that was there. Boaz goes and he takes his place at the gate. During this time of Israel, at this point in time in their history, legal matters, uh, courts, trials, things of that nature took place in a public forum that was there at the gate of the cities and the villages and where they were at. That was a public place. People had to come in and out. It was a place where business was going to be done. You'd oftentimes find the marketplace nigh to where the gate was. And it was a place where the men of the city would occupy their seat, those elders and those that were there. We see that Boaz goes in, and it says he sits down. He said he set him down there. And behold, the kinsman Boaz spake came by, to whom he said, Ho, such a one. He went in, and he sat down in the gate. Now one thing we can think about there tonight is this a place where the elders, those who are respectable in this city, sometimes the judge and magistrates of the city, would sit in the gate. First off, we notice there tonight that Boaz himself sat down there first. That tells us that Boaz was someone who was respected in the town of where he was. He was respected here within his place. He may very well have been a judge himself. He may have been one of the elders. Yet notice that he was patient. He sat down, waited for the other nearer kinsman redeemer to come by, the one that is nameless, and told for him to sit down. But he didn't just stop there. He called him out publicly to bring him to the place that was there. He, but he also did not judge on his own. Verse number 2. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. This was a public thing. This was a public trial, a court, if you want to say that. It was going to be a public transaction that was going to take place that was here. Boaz is going to make sure that it was going to be above board. He wasn't going to be let it be some backroom deal. He was going to be fair and honest in all his dealings. He was going to have there an open for all to see that he was going to do the thing which was right according to the word of God and according to the will of God. He took ten witnesses. Bible said that they only needed to have two or three witnesses. You can find that in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 19 and verse number 15. By the mouth of two or three witnesses was something going to be confirmed. Yet he took ten witnesses. He was going to make sure that this was going to be a done deal. It was going to be something that was going to be taken care of the correct way. Not only do we see that there was a public action, there's also a public advertisement in verses 3 and 4. Verse 3, and he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that has come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. He's making it known here, in the gathering of his elders, in the gathering of the judges, the magistrates of the town, said, here's what's going on. To the nameless one he directs and says, our relative, Naomi, is selling a parcel of land. Most likely her inheritance they had there may have been mortgaged, 
may have been that she had sold it for a sum of money because remember there was a famine in the land. They were in the place of Moab in chapter number 1 and there is where Naomi's husband, there's where Ruth's husband and the other brother of Naomi or Ruth's husband also passed away. All three of them we saw mentioned there and they decided they were going to turn and return back to Israel because they heard that there was bread there. And here you find through going out through these chapters of Ruth, of course, that she went out and began to glean in the fields. They were in a situation of want. They were in a situation of need. They were in a lowly estate. Their inheritance had been mortgaged out. It was in a place that it needed to be redeemed. I'm thankful one day that we had someone who looked down and saw our lowly estate, saw that we had something that needed to be redeemed, that we couldn't do it ourselves, and decided they were going to go out and take some action. Boaz, being a picture and a type of Christ, was going out and taking some action. He's letting them know, hey... Naomi's selling a parcel of land. It needs to be redeemed. And he goes on to say this in verse number 4, And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me, that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. We see that the named and the nameless one were each going to be the kinsmen redeemers that were going to be there according to the law for Naomi and for Ruth. And he's saying that public example, that public advertisement, it's in need of redemption. Boaz puts him on the spot and says, redeem it or I will. Redeem it or I will. What does he say in, at the end of verse number four? And he said, I will redeem it. I think this is the next thing tonight. There's a public acknowledgement. He see first of all that the nameless one, that nearer kinsman, is when he hears about the land, he hears about what he might be able to add to his inheritance, he says, I will redeem it. He was eager we don't see anything mentioned here saying that there was any hesitation that he would go out and he would redeem and buy that parcel of land. But that wasn't everything that needed to be there. Now this is a public place. Now remember all this has taken place where everybody could see it there. I believe Ruth and Naomi, I'm sure, were nearby and probably could hear what was taking place. I'm sure when there was a gathering of his elders, the other people are probably sitting there. Now remember, Ruth has been to Boaz already asking him to do the duty and to perform the duty of being the kinsman redeemer. And he said, of course, there's another one I need to go to. Ruth had already chosen, sought out Boaz. Boaz now going out, he knew that according to law, the order of things that was there, had to make it right. He was going to make sure that this was done by the law. It was going to be done the correct way and have this public discourse. Now all of a sudden that kinsman redeemer, the nearer one than Boaz, says, I'll redeem it. Could you imagine what Ruth and Naomi thought in their heart for just a second? Began to sink down just a little bit. Put yourself in their shoes and think about what took place there. But Boaz, in his wisdom, and how God had divided the order of things out, knew that that wasn't the end of it. Verse number 5, Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. He lays out the rest of the bargain saying, You get the land, but you've also got to take Ruth. Ruth the Moabitess. You've got to take her with it as well. The bargain's not going to be complete. If you're going to redeem one part of it, you've got to redeem it all. There is no halfway. There is only going part of the way and stopping there. It's got to be completely redeemed for the whole for what it was. What did that nearer kinsman say? It said in verse number 6, And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou thy right to myself, for I cannot redeem it. Oh, he was eager. He was ready to go get that land, but we see now, right now, he could not redeem it. He changes his tune when he hears about Ruth. He says it will mar his own inheritance. Maybe he was thinking that it would be something that he might have more children and it might cause his inheritance among his existing children to become split up and therefore lesser value. 
may have been because of his current marriage, may have been because of the fact that she was a Gentile, not of the children of Israel. We can fill it in the blank with many of those things. But the bottom line was, is that that nearer than kinsman redeemer, not Boaz, this nameless one was not worthy to be able to do the redemption. He wasn't worthy. He wasn't the one who God had intended to be able to take it there. There are kinsmen that may have had the right to redeem, but he was not worthy to redeem. Now, if Christ was going to be a picture, or if Boaz was a picture of Christ there tonight, then what would the nameless one be a picture of? You go back and look and you can study. I believe Boaz was a picture of Christ and the nameless one was going to be a picture of the law. You know, the law could only go so far. It could only show sin just a little bit. Let's look on down in verse number 7. Let's go to our next point. It said there was also a public agreement in verse number 7. Now this was a manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. That seems like an unusual way to do a trade agreement, don't you think? You know, most of the time if you go to go somewhere and they're going to meet someone, usually you conduct a deal, you know, they'll shake your hands or they'll make some kind of deal like that. If you've bought a house before you go and you sign the last of the paperwork at the lawyer's office and then what's the last thing you get? They'll hand you the keys. They'll give you something that has a function but it's also symbolic to some ownership there as well. It may seem odd to us to take off your shoe and hand it to somebody else but it was a symbol and a type and a picture of relinquishing authority and a sign of submission. It symbolizes a unit of authority and power. Think about it. We see shoes mentioned in other places in the Bible. You would find it with Moses in the burning bush in the book of Exodus chapter number 3. What did God tell him? Take off your shoes. The ground thou standest is holy ground. Fast forward a little bit further to Joshua. Joshua chapter number 5. Let's get an interesting piece of scripture. Matter of fact, let's turn over there and read it. Joshua chapter number 5 and verse number 13. Joshua 5 and verse 13. This is what it says. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, they lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. It's a sign of submitting to the will of God. Sign of submitting there is saying that I'm not worthy to tread upon the ground that was going to be there. That nameless one and giving up the shoe was saying, Take this, take this shoe, whereat I would have trod upon that inheritance, but I'm not worthy to do so. But he's saying, But thou art worthy. He was nameless one was telling Boaz, you are the one who can redeem it. You are the one who has the power. I yield it up unto you. The near kinsman was saying just to take it, take that inheritance. Just like that law was. The law was, of course, something they had to, children of Israel had to abide by. God had not yet sent his Savior. But, of course, looking in faith towards it there, it was going to, of course, this Passover lamb the blood of the lamb that they would take into the Holy Holies once a year. All of that was a picture and a type of Christ as well. But it was not a permanent thing. You would find in the book of Romans, chapter number, Romans 3 and also in verse number, chapter 8. We'll turn over there. Romans chapter number 3. Find this verse here. Romans 3 and verse number 20. 
Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And then Romans chapter 8 says this, verse 1, it said, There is therefore now not condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What were we singing about earlier? He set me free. Verse number 3, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, the named and the nameless one there tonight. Be it a picture that God gave us here in the book of Ruth of what was going to take place later on. How that the kinsman redeemer, he was the one who had to go through the law, make sure things were going to be correct, had to follow the letter of the law, was going to be there, was going to make sure the transaction was going to be complete, it was going to be perfect, it was going to be done in a public place so that all would know that he was going to be the kinsman redeemer that was there. It's interesting to note, again there tonight, that the scripture chose to leave out the name of the nearer kinsman. We only know the name of Boaz. I believe God in his divine plan, of course God breathed in the scripture, he included everything to be written in the book just exactly how he wanted it. He included everything to be there exactly how he meant for it to be and of course we know that that other kinsman would have been a type and picture of the law. The law could not go the full way. Boaz, if you come on down, you would find that he became to be a famous and a well-known person in the land of Israel. Matter of fact, his name and Ruth, the Moabitess, the Gentile bride, is now in the line of King David and ultimately in the line of Christ. God honored Boaz. God honored Ruth for her righteousness. Boaz, I believe, thought that Ruth was going to be worth everything. Why? Because it was known to be going to be a virtuous woman. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 31 about a virtuous woman? Price. She's great above Ruby. She's worth everything that was there. Boaz decided she's going to be worth the fight for. Boaz decided she was going to be worth to go and to go through a challenge. An obstacle was going to be in the way. You know, you and I had a Savior that had an obstacle in his way too. The blood of bulls and goats could not take do it, but you know what would take care of it? His own and his precious blood. There had to be a perfect sacrifice that needed to be made. And even so many years before God knew what the plan was going to take place, they are now in the line of what's going to bear Christ. And you could even say that they are great, great, you can put ever greats into it, grandfather, grandmother, even a line we know that we are joint heirs with Christ, looking back and the things that he's done for us. But he's done all the things for us. He sought the gospel and he shed his blood for our sins by going to the cross. Saved us, bought us, redeemed us. As I mentioned earlier, saw our lowly estate. There she was being a Gentile. There she was with the land mortgaged. There she was and she was gleaning behind the fields just so that they could get enough that to be able to have their meal. Not in a place of security. You know, that's the way sin will leave you there. In a place where you're insecure. In a place where you don't know what's going to happen from day to day. The law may have given them some hope. Of course, even Paul himself said that it was going to be a school teacher. He knew sin because of the law. But it was through the blood of Christ that we saw in Romans chapter 8. Their kinsmen. That nameless one had a right, but he was not willing, nor was he able. But thank God we have a Savior who is willing and able to save us. Praise God for the grace that redeemed us. Praise God for the grace that was greater than the law. You may say tonight, well, I'm not putting my faith in the law. Remember how he said he was the nameless one? What are you putting your faith in? Something to ask ourselves. Sometimes there are people out there and as I mentioned earlier, sometimes we wonder why you've seen it all and we still have to remember it ourselves. 
that there are just lost people out there and they're blinded by the flesh and many times they don't know better. There are people out there that need to have salvation that may be putting their faith in a liquor bottle or in drugs or in some other type of religion. They may be putting their faith in having been baptized because their name is on a church membership roll somewhere. Putting their faith in all the things except for their faith in the Redeemer. There was the named one and then there was the nameless. He was named Boaz. We know his name. If anybody was to go to Sunday school class, you have the name of Boaz, you're probably going to automatically assume and associate it with Ruth. But you know that we serve one that is named who is greater than them. He is the counselor, redeemer, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And we can keep the list going on and on. He was the first. He's going to be the last. He was the one who went to the cross and he redeemed us just like Boaz did. I ask you here tonight. You might be lost. What are you putting your faith in? Whenever I was young, I was born. I was the son of a preacher. I was in a preacher's household. Some of y'all may have been there. You know what that's like. Sometimes you feel like you live in a glass house. But I always heard it said when I was growing up, they said the preacher's kid was always so mean because of the deacon's kids. That's what they used to always say. I was mischievous. I ain't going to lie there. I had definitely had my moments. And came a time, and of course I... Went to all the Bible schools with my dad as he preached. and was there in church. Went to a Christian school. I could tell you John 3.16. I could tell you many of the other verses. And said a prayer when I was seven. I thought I was saved, but I actually wasn't saved. A few years later, fast forward and find myself being a teenager, 13 years old, and found myself going to a summer camp for the first time. It was going to be a Christian summer camp to the school that was there. And I was going up to Pennsylvania. You know, north on the Mason, Mason-Dixon line. I remember thinking to myself, man, they don't know how to preach up there. They ain't done from down here in the mountains. They ain't from the south. Uh, I don't even know if they know what God is up there. I remember thinking that to myself. Went up there, and I never will forget, there was an evangelist, but his name was Matt Friend. The first night, I don't think I could tell you exactly what he preached on. I felt like he did Genesis to Revelation, and I felt like he did it forwards and backwards, and I felt like every word he preached was directed right at me. It was that point in time that I realized, yeah, I may have been in church. Yes, I was in a Christian school. Yes, I realized I may have known some Bible verses and knew the Bible stories and the things that was there. I may have said a prayer, but I was lost. God knocked on my heart that night, and that's why I accepted Christ as my Savior. I say that to say this. The other night, it was during, during Bible school, and the Lord's had this upon my heart, and I've been praying over it. And I was back in the sound booth, and I had to, had to try to find something. And it was, I turned the light on my cell phone and held it down there and began to look around, and what met me was the glare of the shiniest penny back there in the dark and in the shadow underneath the sound booth. The Lord kind of smote me upon the heart and got to thinking, there's a shiny penny. Thinks it's clean. Looks like it's good and everything's going to be all right, kind of like I was. And it's in the shadow of the church, yet it was lost back there. Lost in the shadow of a church, lost in the darkness that was there. You know, I'm going to say that nobody knew what was there, didn't go look for it, but God's light began to shine on it until it began to glare back. Just like we've talked about many times here before. There may be someone that's lost here tonight. I don't know. God knows the th- hearts. He knows the thoughts and intents. He knows everything that's there. But I'm sure every single one of us, we can think of someone we know who is lost as well. Someone we need to pray for. Family member. Friend. Co-worker. We need to let them know that there was a redeemer. Let them know that there was a named one. Let them know that whatever nameless thing that they are putting their faith in is not going to be able to get them to heaven. It will let them know that there is a Savior who came to this earth, died on the cross to redeem, ransomed us, bought us from the bondage of sin as we sung about tonight. He set us free, redeemed us, no longer bound, no longer there in a lowly estate. But once we are bought by His blood, we are joint heirs with Him. 
and on our way to heaven. We can cry, Abba, Father, we can go before the throne of grace. If you would, stand to your feet there tonight. Brother Seth, would you mind to come to the instrument there tonight? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, if the Lord spoke to you, maybe you need to come up and pray there tonight. Maybe you need to be saved, but maybe there's someone on your heart that you know you need to pray for. I can think of two or three just sitting here thinking just off the top of my head of someone I know that's lost and that needs to be saved. Pray that God would use us to be a light. He would, God would use us in a way that we could be a witness for them. We can tell them. We can be like, tell them about Boaz. Tell them about Christ. Tell them about that kinsman redeemer. The named one, the one who is greater, the prince of priests, the king of kings and lord of lords. That redeemer who bought us from that there. And not to put their faith or trust in the law or whatever else they may put it in in that nameless one, but to trust Him. We'll go to the Lord and pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, do we thank Him once again for this opportunity, Lord, that we have. Lord, to come boldly before the throne of grace, Lord, to find grace and help in time of need. Father, I'm thankful that you always have a listening ear for your children. Lord, that you hear their petitions, dear Lord. Father, we thank you, dear Lord, that you were that redeemer. Lord, that you were willing to give it all to pay the price to save us from our sins that you gave for life for us. Father, we're thankful for that precious blood there tonight. Father, I pray it should be the needs upon the altar here tonight. Lord, the needs upon each and every heart. Lord, if there be someone here that's lost tonight, I pray that you would convict them, dear Lord. Lord, I pray that you would put your hand of conviction upon them, that you'd bring them to know you before it's everlasting too late. Father, please be with those that we know that are lost. Lord, friends, family members, co-workers, those that need to know you before it's also everlasting too late. Lord, help us to be that light. Lord, help us to shine the light around. Lord, that we can find those lost coins, that we can be diligent, dear Lord, in shining your light in a dark world. Father, Lord, help us, Lord, to be the witness you would have us to be. And Father, we thank you for everything that you, what you were doing, what you have done, and what you promised you shall do. We love you, Lord Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name we do ask and pray. Amen and amen.